What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Lightning Lamp Podcast, and welcome to the first official episode for the 2022-2023 season. Uh, I want to apologize right off the bat for us being basically MIA this offseason. However, to say that we were both busy would be an understatement. (laughs) So uh, you'll just have to excuse us for that. Um, Just a lot of life stuff and other stuff outside of the hockey world happening. Uh, that caused us to be a little bit MIA this offseason, but we are back, and of course you can count on us for your weekly NHL content. So uh, this is going to be a very interesting episode. Uh, we're going to be going, or I should say I'm going to be going over uh, the big offseason trades and signings, as well as uh, my preseason standings predictions and debuting a new segment on this uh, series as well. So Without further ado, let's begin. So we're going to start here with the trades, uh, just to kind of get those going. And uh, then we'll go on to signings, which will then lead us into standings predictions and then the final segment. So I'm uh, just going to go through some of the trades that I think are significant enough to talk about. Uh, other ones will just be uh, talked about throughout the year as, as those players kind of come up. Uh, so first off, I mean, let's get the big ones out of the way first. Uh, the Calgary Flames acquiring Jonathan Huberdeau and Mackenzie Weger, as well as Cole Schwint and a 2025 first from the Florida Panthers in exchange for Matthew Kachuk and a 2025 fourth round pick. So, yeah, I mean, right off the bat, huge trade here. Uh, you know, we had heard basically more or less that Matthew Kachuk was done with Calgary uh, for a myriad of reasons, you know, notwithstanding the contract disputes as well as, you know, potentially, uh, I think maybe the playoff run last year kind of put a sour taste in his mouth. Uh, and so, you know, we had basically had the understanding to this point that Matthew Kachuk was more or less done with Calgary, uh, and Calgary's basically going to be forced to trade him at this point. And uh, boy, did they ever. Uh, You know, let's start on Calgary's side. I mean, honestly, getting Jonathan Huberto and Mackenzie Weger and a first is really solid value out of Matthew Kachuk. I mean... You know, normally when you see a player of this caliber getting traded, you know, Kachuk and, and Huberdeau, it's almost impossible to truly get fair value back. And yet, I think Calgary got pretty much as close as you possibly could get uh, to fair value for Matthew Kachuk. I mean, Huberdeau obviously is an elite player in this league. Uh, Mackenzie Weger, I think, is a very solid defenseman. And a first-round pick out of the whole deal as well, I mean... To me, this was a trade that made a lot of sense for Calgary, and it's a trade that makes a little bit less sense when you look at Florida side of things. Uh, You know, Jonathan Huberto did not want to leave the Florida Panthers. I mean, you know, excuse my language, but this is going to be a direct quote. Allegedly, this is not confirmed, uh, but, you know, allegedly... When Jonathan Huberto was told he was traded, his uh, reaction to that was, uh, 
fuck you. <laughs> so clearly a guy that, you know, he wanted to stay. He didn't really see a need for him to get moved. And it's kind of odd because I don't really see necessarily why the Florida Panthers made this trade. Um, you know, you go back to their playoff run last year, which was disappointing, you know, uh, struggling against the Washington Capitals, a team that they should not have struggled against at all, and then going on to being completely demolished in the second round to the point where it was like you shouldn't even be on the rink. Uh, you know, disappointing for a team that won the present trophy, a team that a lot of people had a lot of high hopes for. I had a lot of high hopes for them personally. Um, I didn't really see any glaring weaknesses with the roster construction. But when you watch the playoffs, I think the biggest thing we noticed was maybe this was a case of a team pushing too hard, you know, trying desperately to get that last piece, you know, the Claude Giroux trade and some of the other trades they made. Um, it just seemed to throw a wrench in the Florida Panthers chemistry. Things did not look the same. They were not as crisp. They were not as clean. They were not as fast. And just a lot of things kind of came together, or I should say fell apart for them in, in the worst way. Um, and so that kind of being the case, you know, one of the things that was an issue for them was scoring uh, consistently, especially on a power play. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> um, it's kind of odd that you would trade away a guy who you would consider a skill player uh, like Jonathan Huberto for a guy like, look, Matthew Kachuk is one of the most skilled players in the NHL, but his game is very much the kind of game that you have other players that do that same thing already, you know. Um, for example, you know, his rough and tumble nature, his get to the front of the net sort of game style, you already have Patrick Hornquist and you already have Sam Bennett who kind of fill that role already. And so when scoring was an issue for you, it's kind of weird that you would trade for a guy who doesn't bring any dynamic that you don't already have on a roster. And again, all of this is obviously to say Matthew Kachuk is one of the best players in the NHL. I love watching him play. I think he's a fantastic player. But from a team composition standpoint, it's kind of odd that this was the solution for the Florida Panthers. On top of the fact that you not only had to give up, you know, Huberto, who brings a little bit more dynamic skating, a little bit more dynamic passing kind of to his game. Uh, you also had to give up Mackenzie Weger and a first. Um, kind of odd, I think. Uh, obviously, both players are, are fantastic, Huberto and Kachuk. Uh, so I don't think that the Panthers are a worse team for this trade, but not necessarily a better team either. I don't think. I think Calgary probably got the better end of this deal uh, because scoring for them was also somewhat of an inconsistent issue for them in the playoffs. But uh, that was one of the big ones. And then we're going to get into uh, some some real head scratchers here. Uh, the Ottawa Senators acquiring Alex Debrinkit for a 2022 first, which turned into the seventh round pick. Or which turned out, you know, which was Ottawa's seventh round pick, uh, a 2022 second and a 2024 third. So to put this in a perspective, uh, the Ottawa Senators acquired a 40 goal scorer from the Chicago Blackhawks 
in exchange for a first, a second, and a third, which why why was this even a trade that Chicago was willing to make? I mean, Alex DeBrinkett has scored forty goals twice. He scored 30 goals in 2020, 2021 in 52 games, 32 and 52. So he probably would have hit 40 had he played a full season. Um, You know, he's only had two seasons where he didn't score at least 30. And that was his rookie season where he scored 28 and kind of an off year in 2019, 2020, where he only scored 18. Um, But since then, you know, it's 41, 32, 41. The kid is only 24. And really, this is such a head scratcher for the Chicago Blackhawks because then they also went and uh, I guess we'll talk about these two trades in conjunction and traded uh, Kirby Doc to the Montreal Canadiens for a first and a third. And the first was the 13th overall pick. So I don't understand what the moves here are because... Kirby Doc is 21. He's a 21-year-old center who, you know, granted, look, has he lived up to his potential? No. But that being said, you know, he's only 21. This is only his fourth year in the NHL. And in 2020, 2021, obviously he got hurt and he only played 18 games. So really, this is kind of like his third year in the NHL. And you're giving up on a 6'4", 212-pound, 21-year-old, you know, third overall pick this early in conjunction with just giving away a 24-year-old 40-goal scorer, multiple-time 40-goal scorer? I don't get it. And, you know, ultimately what it comes down to is you traded a 40-goal scorer, who's 24, and a 21-year-old 6'4 center for two firsts, a second, and two-thirds. Dude, not even the AI in NHL 23 would make that trade. And I don't get what their bag is here for Chicago. Because if this is, you know, it's not like Chicago is indicating to everyone all of a sudden that they're going to try to compete. You know, this isn't them saying, hey, we're trading away young players for established veterans. Because you didn't do that, first of all. And second of all, these young players are already better, you know, especially specifically to bring it already better than a lot of the established veterans you could have bought in this offseason. So that wasn't the case. It's not a case of them trying to upgrade for the now. And if your indication is that you want to rebuild, well, then why the hell are you trading a 24 and a 21 year old if you're going to rebuild? Because these are the two players you should be rebuilding around. And if you're rebuilding, then why is, you know, why are some older players on this roster still? You know, why is Jonathan Tate still here? Why is Patrick Kane still here? You know, I get wanting to keep some veterans around in order to, you know, work with the next generation of kids. But, you know, why is Connor Murphy still here? Why are you going out and, you know, keeping guys like Jujar Kara on the roster? Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't get it. Like, there is no clear end goal with any of these, with any of these trades. You know, none of it makes any sense to me. If you're rebuilding, it doesn't make sense to trade these guys. And if you're competing for the now, it still doesn't really make sense to trade these guys. Maybe Kirby Doc because you're giving up on him really early, which I think is is silly and short-sighted. But, you know, 
like why are you making these moves otherwise like why to brink it then you know i i don't get it uh genuinely might be the worst off season i've seen in my period of time where i can actually understand the game you know i'm you know i'm 25 years old right so i would say i've i've been able to watch hockey and understand the nuances of the game on this kind of level let's make an argument that you know since i was like 13 right i've understood hockey on on a little bit of a deeper level and that's you know i would argue i probably was able to make these kind of assessments by the time i was like 11 12 but you know let's argue and say 13 right i've been watching hockey at that point then for 12 years this is genuinely might be the worst offseason i've ever seen from a team in chicago i mean this doesn't make any sense you know it's fantastic for ottawa because they indicate you know they look like a team that is potentially wanting to try and and take that next step into maybe not competing for a playoff spot just yet but indicating that hey we're not a basement dweller anymore we want to be making moves that are going to put us towards the future and uh, help us take that next step maybe next year and compete for a playoff spot and for montreal who's a team in need of a rebuild i mean you get a 21 year old center who has size, which Montreal desperately needs. So these are fantastic trades for the Canadians and the Senators. Uh, complete dog dog water for Chicago. Don't get it. Don't understand. Uh, this next trade I just wanted to bring up just because I think it's absolutely hilarious how badly these last season and a half pretty much has gone for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, they trade Max Pacioretty and Dylan Coghlan uh, to the Carolina Hurricanes for nothing, for future considerations, which will probably end up at some point turning into like a third round pick or something, right? Uh, boy, man, Vegas, uh, yikes, you know, completely fumbled the bag, uh, fumbled their cap situation so bad that I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you can recover at this point, really. I mean, on cap friendly right now, they are $20 million over the cap. Now, granted, that hasn't factored in LTIR yet. That has not factored in uh, them cutting their roster because they're currently at 30 out of 23 uh, on the roster size. So, you know, there's still some room there with which to work. You know, they're not the only team over the cap. A lot of teams still have, you know, players uh, from training camp and stuff. But $20 million over the cap. Uh, holy Christ. I mean, Vegas is in trouble. They're in big trouble this year. Because, yeah, okay, last year, you know, you could make a very strong argument and say, well, you know, they were very unlucky with injuries. You know, Mark Stone was out for long stretches of time. Uh Alec Martinez was out for long stretches of time. Petrangelo missed some time, I'm pretty sure. Robin Leonard missed some time. Uh, you know, at one point, it was like their best four players were pretty much on uh, injury reserve. And like, yeah, okay, you can you can make that argument, sure. I think that's a fair argument to make that they just had hit with a series of unfortunate events. But that doesn't change the fact that they fumbled their cap situation so badly with that botched trade of Evgeny Dadinov and... 
you know, this offseason, they basically had to acquire Shea Weber's contract just for the LTIR aspect of it. And to put everything on top of that, Robin Leonard is also going to be missing the, the entire season. So, boy, just shipping off Max Pacioretty, who, you know, for what it's worth, has been one of their better players over the last couple of seasons. I mean, Max Pacioretty, uh, you know, has scored, you know, 20 goals for them every single season. He scored 32 goals in 2019-2020. He probably would have scored 30 had he played a full season in 2020-2021. He probably would have scored at least 20, you know, considering he had 19 goals in 39 games last year. Uh, Probably would have scored 30. I mean, it's just, you know. And I get why Vegas traded Max Pacioretty because with the way that their cap situation is, they simply can't afford to have a player who's not going to play a full season for them. I mean, he Pacioretty has not played a full season since 2015-2016 uh, with the Montreal Canadiens. He's played his closest to a full season was 71 games in 2019-2020 with Vegas. Uh, with the cap situation they have, if he's not going to be on LTIR, they can't afford to have his cap just being dead, you know, just dead cap lying around uh, with their cap situation. But yikes. I mean, it's just, that's rough. <laughs> it's it's very rough to have to, to ship out Max Pacioretty for literally nothing. So kind of yikes. Uh, Nashville acquires Ryan McDonough for Philip Myers and Grant Mismash. Uh, just going to keep it short on this one. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay running into the same problem that all championship teams do, having to ship out some of your better players uh, for cap considerations. I think this is a fantastic trade for the Nashville Predators. Uh, I think Nashville proved last year, specifically to a lot of people like me. I was a very big Nashville doubter last year. Uh, you know, technically the regular season has already started. Nashville is 2-0. Uh, they beat the San Jose Sharks in both their games overseas. But uh, I think Nashville has is, is proven that they have a team that can make some noise. I still would have liked to see them in this particular offseason maybe try to go for some offense. I mean, they did add Nino Niederreiter. You know, not a bad little uh, addition. Nino has had some decent seasons for the Hurricanes, you know, 20 goal scorer twice for them. Probably would have scored 20 goals had he played full season in a couple of these other years. So, you know, not a little, not a bit, little, yeah, not a bad little bit of offensive addition for them. Uh, you know, that being said, I would have liked to have seen them upgrade the offense a little bit because I do think that's the glaring big weakness on this team. But hey, when you have a defensive core of uh, Roman Yossi, Ryan McDonough, Matthias Ekholm, Mark Borvietsky, and then, you you know, add any of these other guys, Jeremy Lozon, Dante Fabro, Alex Carrier. That's not a bad little setup. So, uh, you know, for Tampa Bay, you know, feeling that pinch, feeling the, uh, <clears throat> feeling the cap crunch, and, and their defensive core gets a little bit more questionable year after year after year, I think. So we'll see. That could become a weakness on this team. Uh, what next? What next? What next? Want to talk about? Uh, yes, the Colorado Avalanche acquiring Alexander Georgiev for a third and uh, two thirds and a fifth from the New York Rangers. Uh, you know because Ka- uh, Colorado let 
Darcy Kemper walk. He went to Washington Capitals. So they had a need in net. And uh, I think that this is a good trade for both teams. Uh, clearly, Georgiev was on his way out of New York. I mean, that net is Igor Shashurkin's net unless he literally, like, physically cannot play, you know? <sighs> and so, <clears throat> unless that's the case, Shashurkin is going to be starting pretty much every single game as long as he possibly can. You know, I expect him to get, like, 60 to 65 games this year with the New York Rangers. And so... Georgiev was clearly like on his way out, um, but I think Georgiev still has. I still think Georgiev has gas uh, left in a tank. I mean, I think we have seen that he is a significantly better player when he plays more often and more consistently. Uh, you know, when he was getting a lot of games behind Lundqvist during Lundqvist's later years, we saw a more consistent and a more productive Alexander Georgiev. It really wasn't until uh, Igor Shosturkin came in and pretty much outright won the starting job, and we started seeing Georgiev's games drop down to like 30 and then like 20-something, you know, uh, that he really started to struggle. So I think given the fact that he's going to be going into a team where he is more more than likely going to be your everyday starter. Um, I think we'll see a bounce back here. You know, I don't think Yurigev is elite. I think he's a starting caliber goaltender. And the Avalanche proved last year that with, you know, maybe not an elite goalie, but a goalie who's good enough, like Darcy Kemper, that they can get it done. And uh, we'll see. You know, do I think Yurigev is as good as Darcy Kemper? It's weird because it's hard to tell with Darcy Kemper because that playoff run was not all that great. But uh, that being said, uh, you know, in the regular season, he was pretty good. And uh, we'll just have to keep an eye on that. So uh, I think there's a fair trade for both teams. Uh, and we'll see what Gurgip can do with Colorado. Another goalie that is on the move, uh, Vitek Vanacek goes to the New Jersey Devils along with a 2022 second. The Capitals acquire a 2022 second and a 2022 third. So essentially, Vitek Vanacek for a third, more or less. Um, you know, I'm seeing a lot of really weird optimism about the Devils this year. And that's not to say that I think the Devils are going to be bad. But goaltending was not the only issue with that team last year. I mean, Mackenzie Blackwood is solid. I think Mackenzie Blackwood is a perfectly fine goaltender. He was not really the problem <laughs> for that team for long stretches of last year. And yet, for some reason, you know, that's the thing that they chose to address. Uh, you know, I think Vanacek is fine. I think he's a good goalie. I don't think he's a leader or anything. I think his stats in Washington maybe are not indi indicative of his ability uh, to play as well as I think he can. Because, you know, their defensive scheme in Washington wasn't great. That being said, the defensive scheme in New Jersey is not really looking all that airtight, so to speak. I mean, P.K. Subban ended up retiring in this offseason. Uh, and, and yeah, okay, sure, you say what you want about P.K. Subban, but you know, when you're looking at these, this defense core, you've got uh, you know Ryan Graves, Dougie Hamilton, 
John Marino, Damon Severson, Jonas Siegenthaler, Brendan Smith. It's not bad, but if your belief is that you know bringing in Vanacek is going to really change anything, I don't really think so. I mean, we'll, we'll get to the Devils in depth in a little bit, but uh, kind of an oddball trade in my opinion. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs proving ever, ever, ever again that they absolutely love to skimp on their goaltending, have acquired uh, Matt Murray, a third and a seventh from the Ottawa Senators for future considerations. And, uh, yeah, the, you know, to compound onto this, we'll also talk about some of the signings now. Um they also signed Ilya Samsonov from the Washington Capitals. The Capitals completely jettisoning their two, uh, their goaltending battery from last year, uh, because Toronto didn't want to pay Jack Campbell the money that he deserved. Uh, you know, five by five with the Edmonton Oilers is not exactly a lot of money, but you know, when we go to Cat Friendly, our good friends over here at Cat Friendly. Uh, they actually don't know we exist, but I consider them good friends because they're super helpful. Uh, the cap, the Toronto Maple Leafs are spending a grand total of $6.4875 million on their goaltenders. And the weird thing is that Matt Murray is only making, is making 4.6. So you really couldn't splurge the extra less than $400,000 to keep Jack Campbell, who's been the best goaltender you've had over the last couple seasons. Uh, you know, no shade to Freddie Anderson. Obviously, he's playing fantastically down in Carolina. But um, we'll say since Freddie Anderson's health issues started flaring up, Jack Campbell has been the best goal you've had. And yet you jettison him off to free agency to save less than $400,000 for a goaltender and Matt Murray, who... Yes, the Ottawa Senators haven't been a great team recently, but he himself has struggled pretty heavily. Um, yikes. Kind of a yikes. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. It, it really does not make that much sense to me. When we look at the two goaltenders and, and we compare the, the stats of these two goaltenders, uh, that being Jack Campbell and Matt Murray, it's it's doesn't really add up <laughs> um you know jack campbell uh let's just look at his stats here you know over his last three seasons with toronto uh 263 and 915 215 921 264 914 you know pretty solid stats considering the toronto maple leafs woes on defense and then we look at the stats from matt murray uh 287 899-338-893-305-906. Now, again, the Senators were not good <clears throat> when Matt Murray was playing for them, but, you know, the Penguins in 2019-20 weren't bad. Uh, and I'm just not seeing what's adding up here because then you look at Ilya Samsonov's stats from last year, a 302 and an 896. So... It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me uh, what's going on here. I mean, would I would much rather pay an extra, you know, $300,000 for Jack Campbell. I mean, point blank period, bar none, right? 
but Toronto, in their everlasting wisdom, somehow managed to find a way to get a significantly, not significantly, get a worse goaltender for only like $300,000 less. Make it make sense. It doesn't. It really doesn't. <laughs> um, so I'm going to start talking about uh, some of these standings predictions because when we're talking about the standings predictions, we are going to talk about uh, some of the free agency signings that went along with them. So uh, my standing predictions here. Let's pull these up and we'll start taking a look at some of these uh, some of these predictions. Whoops. Hold on here, folks. I just did a goof. Uh, ha ha ha. Sorry. <laughs> just bear with me for a sec. I'm, I'm being dumb. But, yes. Yeah, so, uh, standing predictions here. Let's pull these up. And, uh, huh. That's kind of cringe. Okay, give me one second here, guys. Let me open up an old version of the file just because, uh, hold on here. For some reason, Excel did not uh, did not want to save. There we go. There we go. All right. Got so many freaking Excel files here open. Unbelievable. So. <clears throat> Uh, let's start over in the East, Eastern Conference, and uh, start with the Atlantic Division. Uh, I have my top three teams as the Florida Panthers, Tampa Bay Lightning, and Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, I don't think this is too controversial, to be honest. I mean, these, in my opinion, are far and away the three best teams in this division. Uh, maybe you could argue the placement of some of these teams about where they should or shouldn't be, but, you know... Uh, the reason I'm keeping Florida at number one, even after their um, questionable offseason acquisitions, uh, I just, again, I don't think there's really much of a, a glaring weakness on this team. You know, the goaltending is great. The forwards are great. The defense is solid. The depth is good. Um, you know, you only got better center depth now, adding uh, Matthew Kachuk, although he'll probably end up playing on the wing. Um, I yeah I mean I don't really see much of a weakness on this team Tampa Lightning kind of the same thing although I would say that their defense is starting to show cracks their depth is starting to show cracks but uh, I think that this team is still good enough to take second place and the Maple Leafs I'm going to drop them down to third just because you know uh, that offseason goaltending switch up has me questioning them a little bit um, if anything's going to sink this team, it's going to be that, I think, because you just don't know. I mean, I'm a, I'm a believer that Matt Murray 
is better than hey how he played in Ottawa, but and I'm also believe that Samsonov is better than how he played Washington. But you just don't know. I mean, if you get the same kind of guys that you got last year uh, from these two players, then you might be in a little bit of trouble. So that's why I'm dropping Toronto down to third. I don't really uh, don't really believe in their goaltending tandem as much as maybe uh, I have in the past. So, um, you know, Tampa Bay losing Andre Palat doesn't help uh, either. You know, having to trade away Ryan McDonough doesn't help either. Um, so a little bit of depth loss there, but I don't, I don't think saying that these three are the top three is all that controversial. Uh, Metro division. This one got really difficult. Uh, I put my top three as the New York Rangers, the Carolina Hurricanes and the Washington Capitals. Now this was tough because I'm fairly confident in the New York Rangers and the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, the only thing that's going to stop really either of these teams uh, is a goaltending injury because the Rangers leaned so heavily on Igor Shosturkin last year, uh, not just in the games played, but within the games that he was playing, you could tell that, you know, quite honestly, Shosturkin was making a lot of saves he probably shouldn't uh, because that's just how good of a goaltender he is. You know, I'm not taking anything away from Igor Shosturkin. Obviously, he's one of the best goaltenders in the league, probably the second best goaltender in the league currently, but you could tell that the Rangers were really leaning a little heavily on him. And so, you know, if anything happens to him, if he misses significant time, they're going to be in deep, deep trouble. But, you know, barring that, there really is no reason why this New York Rangers team shouldn't win this division, or at least second. I could see the Hurricanes win in the division. You know, same thing if Freddie Anderson goes down for any significant stretch of time for them, they might be in a little bit of trouble. But... Uh, Carolina more or less kind of stood pat this offseason. You know, they added Brent Burns. They added Max Pacioretty, which is nice. You know, definitely helps out a little bit for sure. Um, but not like super significant, like shakeup. You know, you add two guys that are going to bolster your team a little bit, which will definitely help. Um, so I don't think putting those two at, at one and two is all that crazy. Uh, the third placement was hard because I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really know how what we're getting out of what are we going to get out of the Washington Capitals? What are we going to get out of the New York Islanders? And what are we going to get out of the Pittsburgh Penguins? These are three huge, hugely difficult questions for me to answer. I mean, just being honest, like, I don't know. All three of these teams, in my opinion, are huge coin flips. You know, easily, easily, we could see the Washington Capitals flounder and fail out of this playoff spot because of the goaltending situation. Now, they signed Darcy Kemper. Um, you know, Darcy Kemper in the regular season was was solid for the the Avalanche. Uh, the playoffs a little bit less so. Kind of, kind of questionable at times uh, was Darcy Kemper, and so that kind of that kind of makes me question this team a little bit um but we also saw last year that the capitals did decently well with you know sometimes spotty goaltending from vanacek and samsonov so uh the capitals able to make that playoff spot with questionable goaltending makes me feel a little bit better about them um but who knows really right (laughs) i could easily see washington missing the playoffs i could easily see them 
being in third. I don't think they'll get any higher than third, though. Um, it's either going to be third or a wild card for them. And so in the first wild card spot in the East, I have the Boston Bruins. Uh, you know, Boston getting uh, his name literally, I can, David Krejci, getting David Krejci back. Uh, that definitely helps. And the fact of the matter is that there really is not a super significant weakness on this team, I would say, outside of maybe the defensive depth uh, because Charlie McAvoy is going to miss a decent amount of time. I think they said he's out until November. So, um, you know, who knows with the defense on... on the Boston Bruins how well they're going to play um, but all that to say you know it's not that there's really any big weakness on this team so much as just that the team itself is just kind of feeling the effects of age year after year um, but the goaltending is great you know I like Jeremy Swayman a lot and uh, I anticipate him having a bigger uh, a bigger role this year uh, you know I don't know if he'll be the everyday starter with Linus Allmark being there still but you know I think Jeremy Swayman is is a good goalie I like him a lot uh, I think Linus Allmark is solid enough to get it done uh, with the Boston Bruins uh, had a 2-4-5 and a 9-17 last year pretty solid stats uh, can't complain too much about what he was able to do between the pipes um you know, acquiring Hampus Lindholm at the trade deadline last year certainly helps, and that'll help uh, keep the pain of losing Charlie McAvoy out for a little bit. Um, you know, really, there's not like a super big weakness on this team, um, so I think that they'll be fine enough to take that first wild card spot. It's just that the rest of the Atlantic is just so good that it's going to be difficult for them to push into that uh, top three spot, unless the Toronto Maple Leafs flounder, which is definitely a possibility. Um, and then the second wild card spot which this was probably the most difficult one to pick um, because I was picking between the, the Islanders and the Penguins and both of these teams to me are question marks the Islanders are a question mark because was last year a fluke or was last year an indication that you know Maybe some pieces on this team are starting to fall off the wagon a little bit. You know, is Josh Bailey going to be able to do anything, <laughs> essentially? Uh, is Anders Lee ever going to hit 30 goals again? Um, what are we going to get out of Beauvillier? Is Walsham finally ready to take that next step? You know, is Matt Barzell ready to start putting up 80 points a year again? Um you know, a lot of question marks on the Islanders. And then you add in the fact that, you know, Barry Trotz is not behind the bench anymore. And for what it's worth about the Barry Trotz situation, I think he made some really questionable decisions last year. There was really no reason why Zidane Chara was still in the lineup after November. Because after November, we were finally, you know, healthy enough that there really wasn't a significant reason to have him in the lineup. And he was just playing so poorly that he didn't need to be there. And yet, uh, and yet, Barry Trotz kept him in the lineup. 
and he was so bad that we had to split up Adam Pellick and Ryan Pollock. So definitely questionable decisions from Barry Trotz at times last year, but still can't even say anything that negative considering, like, let's be honest, Barry Trotz, probably the best active coach in the NHL, um, you know, either one or two, I think. Um, even if you're a hater, you can't really say he's any less than top three. So the question is, you know, what are the Islanders going to do with Lane Lambert? You know, um, how are, how is that going to go? You know what I'm saying? Like, what are we going to get out of this team with Lane Lambert? So I could easily see the Islanders once again being towards the bottom of the division. If everything goes poorly, if Lane Lambert's system doesn't translate, um, I don't know. But with the Penguins, what I the reason I put the Islanders over the Penguins is because the Penguins really kind of scared me with that playoff run last year. After Game Three or Game Four, man, did they look bad as a team? But even throughout the series, there were some players and significant key players that. They looked bad. I mean, Chris Letang looked horrible. Horrible. You know, there was so many misplays. He looked slow. His decision-making was bad. So many turnovers, just screening his own goalie. I don't know how much he's really got left in him. And Evgeny Malkin was just, all right, just trash. Evgeny Malkin was trash, okay? Evgeny Malkin looked like he didn't want to be there. And he was just garbage. (laughs) Not even going to sugarcoat it. Bad. So, I took the Islanders because they're a question mark. But the Pittsburgh Penguins have some definitive negatives as opposed to question marks that the Islanders might have. Um, Will I eat my words? It's definitely possible. I mean, I could easily see the Capitals falling out of the playoffs. Um and the Pittsburgh Penguins being in the third spot. You know, I could see the Capitals and the Penguins taking those final two spots in the Metro and the Islanders falling out of the playoffs easily, 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 easily. I am not confident (laughs) in these picks. I will just put it out there. I am not very confident in my decisions here because I think in the Metro, you've got two definitive teams. I think you got the Rangers and Hurricanes are definitive, and then you've got the Capitals, Islanders, and Penguins, who all have significant questions that we're going to get answered throughout the season, but it's hard to predict the answers to those questions. So, uh, Pittsburgh, again, spoiler alert, put them out of the playoffs. Uh, 10th place, I have the Ottawa Senators. Um, I'm a big Ottawa believer. I think Ottawa's showing us some really, really cool things. They're doing some really great things. They're making the right choices. Uh, you add a 40-goal scorer onto your roster. That never hurts. You add Claude Giroux onto your roster, or that doesn't hurt. Um, you know, I don't think they're ready to compete just yet because, A, the division is really good. You know, the Panthers, Lightning, and Maple Leafs are all really good. Bruins, uh, still a good team. Uh, I don't think they're ready to crack the division just yet, but they're taking significant steps towards being able to do that. Um and so that's why I have them in 10th place. 
In 11th, I have the Columbus Blue Jackets. And yes, the Blue Jackets made probably the biggest offseason signing this year. A seven-year contract at $9.75 million for Johnny Goudreau. But, 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 but. What does that mean for me in terms of the overall team comp? I mean, yes, I think Goudreau will work well with Patrick Laine. I think Laine will be able to get a lot better open looks and open passes from a guy like Goudreau than he has been getting on the Columbus Blue Jackets. But you still don't have any centers. There are no centers on this team that really stand out to me that I could say, okay, yeah, you know what? I feel comfortable saying that this guy is a bona fide first-line center. Or even I feel comfortable saying that he's a one of the best second-line centers in the NHL. I just don't see any you know, centers on this team that really excite me all that much. I mean, yes, you have guys like uh, Ken Johnson, who's an exciting younger player. Uh, Jack Roslovic, who's, who's, you know, who's decent. Um, but, I mean, other than that, you got Boone Jenner, okay, Liam Foodie, Cole Sillinger. None of these guys, to me, are first-line centers. And really the only one that I would say is probably approaching the proficiency to be, you know, even a second line center on a consistent basis, uh, you know, probably Jack Roslovic. I like Jack Roslovic's game a lot. Uh, Boone Jenner had a good year last year, but he doesn't really have a history of putting up second line center like seasons. I mean, Outside of last year, his best season was in 2015-2016 with 49 points. Second line centers, I would like to see, you know, you bumping up into the 55 to 60 point range. And Boone Jenner doesn't really do that. Um, You know, granted, neither does Jack Roslovic. But Jack Roslovic brings a defensive side to the puck that I think is better than Boone Jenner's. All of this to say, none of these guys to me are first line centers, and that's that's an issue. I mean, the center depth isn't bad, but you don't really have any top centers that are really going to excite me playing alongside of like Goodrow or Patrick Line. Um, and the defense is only just kind of okay, I think. Uh, you know, Wierenski and Gavrikov, I think, are solid. Uh, Boquist and Gabranson aren't bad, uh, but it's not. You're not going to be scoring enough goals to. You're not going to be defending well enough to to really make uh, make up. I guess the lack of scoring you're going to get from your your forward core. Um, So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not a Blue Jackets believer. I don't think signing one winger is going to all of a sudden uh, make me feel better about your team as a whole. So, you know, the the goaltending is good. You know, if Corpusala comes back off into reserve, still good there with Elvis Merzlikens, but yeah, not a Blue Jackets believer. And I'm not apologizing for it. I don't think they have a complete team. Uh, Up next, the Detroit Red Wings, who signed like everybody under the freaking sun this year. Uh, They signed Andrew Kopp. 
They signed Ben Sherratt, David Perron, Dominic Kubalik. I mean, just all these guys going to the Detroit Red Wings, um, which is good. I mean, you can either play these guys or in the cases of like Kubalik or Ben Sherratt, you know, potential trade bait at some point. Um, you know, last year, Mo Sider and Lucas Raymond had really good seasons, but I don't think that this team is quite ready to crack this division. Kind of similar position to the Ottawa Senators, in my opinion. Um, a very good young team moving in the right direction, but are they ready to take that next step and crack a very difficult division? I don't think so. Um, then there's not really much more that needs to be said, I don't think. I don't think it's that controversial to keep them out of the playoffs just yet. Uh, up next, Philadelphia Flyers. Yes, yes, you know, John Tortorella is back, baby. Torts is back in town. But they also didn't do anything to change their fortune, in my opinion. That would indicate to me that this team is going to be better. I mean... I don't get this team's bag. I really don't understand why they're as bad as they are every year. On paper, they really should be better. And do I think that John Totorella can help bring that out in them? Yeah, I mean, certainly, I think so. But are they going to be that much better, good enough to crack the playoffs? It could happen because the Flyers, to me, feel very much like they're in the New York Islanders position three years ago. When Barry Trotz comes in, everyone's doubting them, and then they make the playoffs. I could see that happening. I'm not as confident because I don't think the Flyers have that talent to really do it anymore. You know, when Barry Trotz came in with the Islanders, you still had guys like Matt Barzell playing. Um, You know, you had... Guys who had shown in the past that they can put up decent numbers like Anders Lee, who had a 40-goal season, and Brock Nelson. You know, on, on the Flyers, you have really good defense, kind of, but where's the goal scoring coming from? And some of these players on defense like Travis Sanheim or Ivan Provorov feel more like they're not necessarily John Tortorella-type defensemen. Um, you know, they they feel like they might be better suited to an offensive role where John Terrell is going to try to reel them in a little bit. Um, yeah, especially when you consider that this division has five teams who could easily all make the playoffs. I don't think that the Flyers are one of them. Um, yeah, Devils, uh, kind of explained earlier, not really a big New Jersey Devils believer this year. Kind of feels weird to me that so many people are so high on them when... The defense is only just okay. Uh, you acquired a goaltender, which the goaltending wasn't an issue. The depth did definitely got a little bit better. You know, you acquire Andre Pallad on a five by six deal, but I don't know. Does all of that really change how I think about your team? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I just don't think the Devils have done enough to show me that they're going to be getting there. I mean, what would it take for them to show me that they're going to get there? I mean, I think they had decent high-end talent, you know, with like Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes, but the depth is only just okay. The defense is only just okay. The goaltending is good, but 
in this in the Eastern Conference, playing the teams you're gonna be playing against, just okay is not gonna be good enough. So, uh, yeah, uh, Montreal in fifteenth. Yeah, I mean Montreal, you're in the, you're going in the right direction. You got Kirby Doc, but I don't think too much more needs to be said about the Montreal Canadiens other than I still think that they're going through a rebuild process here. Um, I think they're doing this rebuild in a very effective way, and I really, really like the the moves that they've made to enable this rebuild. Uh, but I don't think it's going to yield them a playoff spot. And then in 16th, the Buffalo Sabres. I I significantly, I, I really do hope that this, you know, bottoming out of this team, now that they've moved on from Jack Eichel, I, I really hope that they just bottom out and then they, 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 they pick a direction for the next rebuild and don't try to do what they did with the last one. That's all I can say about that. Uh, Western Conference, we're going to go to the Central Division. Top three teams, Avalanche, Predators, Blues. Big believer in the Predators this year. Um, you know, I, I really like their offseason. They've proven to me I'm a believer now. I was a doubter last year. I'm a believer now. Um, I still would like to see some offensive moves being made for this team. But I think the defense, and specifically Yusei Soros on the back end and in net, is good enough to get them into the second spot, uh, along with St. Louis Blues. I could see St. Louis and Nashville flipping spots here uh, pretty easily. Um, I think that you know the, the Blues are a pretty complete team. There's not really a glaring issue on this roster. Uh, I don't really think there's a significant uh, issue that's going to hold this team back. Um, you know, Nashville, I could say that there's a weakness in the, in the scoring. The Blues, I think, are, are a complete team. But I just think that the Predators overall uh, have proven to be more consistent. And I think that's a big a big plus. Uh, Colorado, the only thing that's going to hold them back, and this is potentially a big issue, is the goaltending. You know, if Georgiev struggles and he plays the same way he's kind of played the last couple seasons in New York... Um, you know, it could be a problem. And the lack of Nazem Kadri could also kind of rear its ugly head, considering that they didn't really make a huge attempt to replace Nazem Kadri. So that could also be a significant problem. But that being said, you know, I still believe a lot in this team. That defensive core is just utterly ridiculous uh, from an offensive perspective anyway. They're not exactly stalwarts, but that defensive core is utterly ridiculous offensively. Uh, and I think Colorado can just, at least in a regular season, and I'm not saying that they're going to be the same team in the playoffs, at least in a regular season, um, you can score your way out of a lot of problems, I think. So I'm going to go with those three. Uh, in the Pacific Division, have the Edmonton Oilers, the Calgary Flames, and the LA Kings. Uh, Oilers, the reason I'm putting them up this high, they've actually finally addressed the goaltending concerns. No more Mike Smith. No more Miko Koskinen. We're bringing in Jack Campbell, who has proven that he can play well on a team who's, let's just say, maybe defensively deficient <laughs> on the Toronto Maple Leafs. And that's huge because I would be less confident in them bringing in a goalie like, say, for example, if they had bought in, you know, Semyon Varlamov, right, from the New York Islanders. Uh, Varlamov has been playing really, really well with the Islanders, but he's also been sheltered by one of the best defensive systems in the NHL. But 
So I would be a little concerned and have like, okay, how's he going to do when he's playing on a team that can't defend? You know, but Jack Campbell has proven that even on a team that's going to be, you know, giving up high quality chances, uh, he can put up the numbers. And so I had the Edmonton Oilers winning this division. Uh, not easily, but I don't think it'll be much of a struggle for them. Uh, Calgary made some big moves this offseason, you know, getting Jonathan Huberdo. They signed Nazem Kadri to a 7 by 7 deal. Um, you know, I, I like a lot of what this team is doing. I think they're still going in the right direction. The goaltending is still good. The defense is still good. The offense only got better, not necessarily because of trading with Matthew Kachuk, but because, you know, you, you basically make a lateral move, Matthew Kachuk for Jonathan Huberdo, and then you add on top of that Nazem Kadri. Um, yeah, I like a lot of what this team has done. Uh, LA. LA had a little bit more of a quieter offseason. You know, they trade for Kevin Fiala, which is a good trade for them, in my opinion. Um, and this, you know, LA being in the third spot is less an indication of where they're at as opposed to an indication of where I think the rest of the division is at. Um, I'm not saying LA is a bad team. But in most other divisions, I don't think I'd put them in the third spot. Like, I think the Pacific Division is the worst division in hockey this year. Um, don't think it's that crazy to say that. Um, and, you know, I like LA. I like the direction their rebuild has been heading. But there are some question marks left on this team. Like, is Jonathan Quick going to be the same kind of player that he was last year? Are we going to get another great year out of Drew Doughty? Are we going to get another great year out of Dustin Brown? Uh, you know, are we going to get another good year out of Anze Kopitar? I think that enough of those answers are going to be yes to put them into a playoff spot. But in any other division, I think more of those answers being no would maybe knock them down into a wild card spot. But given that some of the other teams, which I'll get to in the Pacific, aren't exactly uh, enticing, uh, I'm going to put LA in third place. And for the record, I have the Edmonton Oilers winning the President's Trophy. Again, not necessarily because I think the Edmonton Oilers are better than the Avalanche, better than the Panthers, better than the Rangers. Um, I think that their division is worse. And so, you know, Edmonton getting to beat up on the Sharks and the Kraken, you know, um, and even the LA Kings who are not as good of a third seed as, you know, I don't think the LA Kings are as good of a third seed as the Blues or the Maple Leafs. Maybe the Capitals, but not really either. So I think with a weaker division, the Edmonton Oilers are going are gonna to run away with the President's Trophy. Um, Wildcard 1 at the Minnesota Wild. They didn't make any crazy moves this offseason. Um, they're kind of dealing with cap recapture penalty stuff now. So um, I'm knocking them down into a wildcard spot because while they didn't lose any significant pieces really, um, outside of Kevin Fiala, uh, I'm still not, you know, it's it, this, you know, much like I said, the LA Kings position is less an indication of where they're at versus the division. The Minnesota Wild being in third is less of an indication of where they're at as opposed to the division. I mean, the Central just has three really good teams, and out of the four really good teams in the Central division, uh, the Avalanche, Predators, Blues, and Wild, I had to pick one of them to knock into the wild card spot, and I'm picking the Minnesota Wild, but uh, the Wild are not going to be your typical wild card team i think that they're a better team than a lot of other wild card teams have been in the past um it's just that the division is just so stacked that uh, i had to knock them down there uh in in 
Second wild card spot. This was really difficult. I was between the Canucks, the Knights, the Jets, and the Stars. Uh, and ultimately, I settled on the Vancouver Canucks. Now, the Vancouver Canucks cannot get out of their own way. Their entire organization seems to be constantly fighting within itself to stop the progress of this team. And the Canucks have been way worse over the last couple seasons than they should have been. But I think that this is the year they finally get their head out of their ass and actually do something. Um, if the Winnipeg Jets were in the Pacific, they would be in this spot. I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, but I like the Canucks. I think the goaltending is good. I think the defense is starting to get there. I think they have some of the better forwards in the NHL in terms of a forward core. They just need to stop shooting themselves in the kneecap. Every year it's been slow starts, some other nonsense that's distracted the team from playing, some injury or some crap. You know, this offseason has been no different. The Canucks have had a lot of stuff in the news that you would rather them not be in the news for. Some injuries that maybe you would rather them not have. But if the Canucks can get out of their own way, then they will be in the playoffs. That is my belief. Could I see them miss the playoffs? I could see the Vancouver Canucks fall like all the way to like 13th place in the NH in the Western Conference. Easily. But if they can play the way they should, they should be in the playoffs. Uh, which means, yes, the first team out in ninth place, I have the Vegas Golden Knights. And the biggest reason for that is the fact that you're going into the year without a real starting goaltender. You know, Logan Thompson, I think, is fine. I think he's okay. But as a backup, <laughs> you know, I don't think... I don't think Logan Thompson is ready to start 60-something games, which... You know, he might have to, considering that Robin Leonard's out for the entire year, and you probably don't have the cap space to go out and acquire a goaltender, you know, that, that is able to do that. Uh, you know, like, the goaltenders that are able to comfortably start you 60 games are more than likely going to be costing you somewhere in, like, the $5 million range. You don't have that kind of cap space, so... Um, that's the biggest thing for me. I think that the forwards are fine. You know, yes, you lose Max Pacioretty, but now you have a full healthy year of Jack Eichel. You bring in Phil Kessel on a one-year deal to help the depth a little bit. Um, I think all of those are good moves, but the goaltending, right? Logan Thompson, I think, is a good backup. Maybe, you know, he played pretty well at the end of last year. You could argue maybe push him to like a 1A, 1B type of goaltender but his partner is not going to be a 1a 1b goaltender considering your cap space and uh even though this pacific isn't great and you have an opportunity to beat up on some worse teams we saw what happened last year with robin leonard in net and then we saw what happened last year with robin leonard out of the net and they dug themselves a grave that they couldn't get out of and I think if the other teams in this division can start well enough, we're going to see the Golden Knights be out of the playoffs again. Only specifically just off the back of that questionable goaltending. Uh, Winnipeg is in my 10th spot. I really want Winnipeg to finally compete 
for a playoff spot, but nothing has changed enough on this roster for me to to say that yes, the Winnipeg Jets are ready to to go somewhere. You know, it was a very interesting offseason in that a lot of the trades that were being made revolved around teams that are already in the playoffs last year. There really wasn't a lot from teams that are kind of on that bubble to indicate to me that they need to get back to the playoffs. Um, So Winnipeg, uh, you know, I could see them snagging that second wildcard spot if the Pacific Division is pretty bad. Definitely. Uh, I could see that happening pretty easily. But there's just, there's... Not that necessarily anything needed to change for Winnipeg. Kind of like with Vancouver, nothing needed to change for Vancouver to make the playoffs. They just had to get out of their own way. Um, But the Jets being in a more difficult division in the Central, um, I think, is what's keeping me from putting them in the playoffs because they're going to be playing harder teams. They're not going to be making up as many points as like the Vancouver Canucks or the Vegas Golden Knights would. Kind of similar for Dallas. You know, Dallas coming in. You, you lose uh, John Klingberg to the Anaheim Ducks. Um, Dallas, you know, do I... It, the question for me in keeping Dallas out of the playoffs or putting them in was, do I think we're going to get a better year out of Alexander Radulov? Do I think we're going to get a better year out of uh, Jamie Benn? Or do I think we're going to get a better year out of Tyler Sagan? Do I think we're going to get a better year out of Denis Gurionov? And the answer to a lot of that was no. <clears throat> I mean, I I think we're going to get a better year out of Gurionov this year, but do I think we're going to get that much of a better year out of uh, Jamie Benn or Tyler Sagan? Uh, I mean... I don't really know um, if if I really believe in that. You know, I'm a big Jamie Ben fan. I, he's one of my favorite players in the NHL, but like, he's not really giving me a reason uh, to to really think that he's going to get any better. And you know, I like actually. You know, I, I mentioned Radulov's name. Obviously, you can scratch that name off the list. He's not active in the NHL. Um, so, scratch his name off the list. Uh, so, I mean, I still like Jason Robertson, but apparently, like, they were trying to trade him for some reason. I mean, apparently, that's also been, like, taken back, and they're going to walk that back. But, um, you know, Miro Hishkinen also was a huge disappointment last year uh especially in the beginning of the season. Um, he picked it up towards the end, but he was a bit of a disappointment. I mean, you know, when you look at uh, Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn, you know, Jamie Benn last year had uh, 18 goals, 28 assists, 46 points. Uh, Tyler Sagan had 24 goals, 25 assists, 49 points. I mean, it's not bad, but these guys are getting paid like first liners and they're putting up like second line stats, you know, and for the Dallas stars, that was a big deal. Cause they didn't miss the playoff by all that much over the last couple seasons, but it's just been like one or two goals here or there. That's been keeping them out. And I don't know. I mean, they didn't upgrade the offense, which was the big thing that was her holding them back last year. 
They downgraded on defense by losing John Klingberg, and they arguably downgraded at the backup position by going into the U.S. Scott Wedgwood at backup. So a lot of stuff going against the Dallas Stars that I just I'm just not a believer in this team. Uh, up and then we kind of get into the rest of the teams that, as much as there is to talk about, there isn't. I mean, Anaheim Ducks, please somebody, please for the love of God. Can we rescue John Gibson from this team? I mean, good Lord. You know, I like the, some of the moves that the Ducks made. Ryan Strom and Frank Vitrano, I think, are, are good additions. Uh, last year at the trade deadline, getting Urho back in Um, You know, Nathan Beaulieu being added. I think that these are good moves, but, I mean, just the rest of this team, you know, obviously, yeah, you got Trevor Zegris and Jamie Drysdale, Cam Fowler, John Klingberg. Uh, Kulikov like the defense is is good in Anaheim I actually like the defensive core of the Anaheim Ducks but it just seems like you're not getting much defensive help from your forwards which is leading to a lot of problems a lot of goals against and you're just not winning games I mean obviously Troy Terry is one of the best young players in the NHL there's no doubting that but the depth of this team isn't great um you know, the depth in terms of, like, the help that you're going to get out of it is not really good enough to put you past a team like, you know, the Flames or the Oilers at this point, I don't think. Um, so I think if any team in the Pacific has the upset potential to make the playoffs and go on a run, it is the Anaheim Ducks because, again, I really do like that defense. I just don't think it's going to happen. Uh, and then we run into the Seattle Kraken uh, year two. Seattle Kraken, nothing really significant changing. Um, still a lack of firepower up front is not helping their cause. A lack of high-end talent at defense doesn't help. I mean, the goaltending, I think, is pretty good. You know, Dredger and Grubauer, but just a lot of holes, and they're still building this team up. You know, still building, still... uh year two of an expansion team so not a whole lot to talk about with them uh the sharks i mean again kind of a team on the decline here uh nothing really to make me believe that this team is going to be any different from last year uh, i like capo kakinen you know i think he's a good goalie james reimer is not bad either but the defense isn't great you know carlson only continues to slow down year after year um up front really kind of a lack of of any real help you know for for some of your higher end players like logan couture or thomas hurdles not helping their cause either um just a team on the decline i think you know at some point we're gonna have to start seriously looking at some of these players and, and, and moving on from them because it's not getting any better. <laughs> uh, then we have the Chicago Blackhawks who, despite their own incompetence, are still going to be better than my worst place team, the Arizona Coyotes, who I think are going to be the worst team in the NHL. Uh, Chicago Blackhawks completely kneecapped themselves, got rid of anything to be hopeful or look forward to on this team. Um, and the Coyotes are just bad by design. I mean, the Coyotes, like, yeah. They're tanking on purpose, obviously. Uh, 
I don't think anybody's going to doubt that. Um, clearly trying to be as bad of a team as you could possibly be um, to you know, continue to get those high-end picks, and that's kind of what you have to do. So don't really think there's any shot either of these teams. I don't think you know there's any team past Anaheim has no chance. I could see the Ducks making a run. I could see the Stars getting in. I can see the Jets. I can see the Knights getting in. I think there's hope. Any team past those guys, there's no shot. <laughs> there's really no chance, I don't think. Um, and so with that said, uh, you know, we're going to debut a new segment here on the podcast, Power Rankings. We're going to do monthly Power Rankings. And so the PR is based on, uh, you know, at least for preseason, is mostly based on um, the standings guesses that I have going on here um you know it's mostly going to be just be based on where I think these teams are going to end up as far as like standings are concerned so um as we go through the year these teams will move up and down some of them will move up uh even if they're like outside of the playoffs if they're going on like a really hot run you know maybe they might move into the top 16 whatever um yeah just uh just that's how that's gonna fly <laughs> basically um so with that being said we will begin the power rankings um number one spot edmonton oilers uh i'll, I'll you know i'll just give that go down the list we have oilers at one avalanche at two panthers at three rangers at four lightning at five leafs at six hurricanes at seven flames at eight predators at nine blues at 10 capitals at 11 Kings at 12, Bruins at 13, Wild at 14, Islanders at 15, Canucks at 16, Penguins at 17, Jets at 18, Senators at 19, uh, Jackets at 20, Knights at 21, Stars at 22, Red Wings at 23, Flyers at 24, Ducks 25, Devils 26, Kraken 27, Sharks 28, Canadiens 29, Sabres 30, Blackhawks 31, Coyotes 32. Um, I don't think there's anything too controversial in there. I mean, I know people are really high on the Devils. I know some people are saying that the Knights are going to be back into playoffs, but um, I don't know. Just not seeing it. <laughs> I'm just not seeing it, if I'm going to be quite frank. So, um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it uh, for wrapping up the offseason and giving my standings predictions. Uh, next week, we'll be back with our weekly content as we kick off the 2022-2023 season that is technically already underway because two of those games in Europe are regular season games. But that being said, hope you guys enjoy watching, hope you guys enjoy listening, and welcome to the new season.